Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. It's After Buzz TV on a Sunday night. The Oscars are over, but we are just starting the True Detective Season 3 finale. After show, I posted an Instagram story 1.8 seconds ago. It went live. We're live. We'll see you in a second. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Yes. We're here. I'm yes, hyped. we are. Oh, my God. You're, you're ready to roll. That was a stealth mission. That was Ooh. a stealth Ooh. mission. Yeah, I was, I was proud of myself there, guys. Uh, guys, we're back. AfterBuzz TV, Sunday night, season three, True Detective. It's the finale. Lots to, lot to do, lot to talk about. Uh, yeah. Before I get into anything, I'm just going to jump straight over to my co-host here because I think we have so much to break down. We should we should skip the pleasantries, get away from the small <laughs> talk. Uh, we got Joe Flippo on the far side of the table. What did you think about the episode? Um, the, I loved 87 and a half percent of this episode. Nice, good number. And 12 and a half percent, I was like. God damn it, somebody should have taken the crayons away. Yeah. It's that line in Six Degrees of Separation. I don't know if you remember that movie or, or play, Will whichever Smith, version. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's that great line where, where uh, oh gosh, uh, where, where um, uh, Donald Sutherland is, is talk, he's telling a story about his kids in kindergarten, and he's, and he's in his, kid, his kids' kindergarten class, and he's looking around, and all the paintings on the walls are just amazing. Yeah. And, he's, and he tells the teacher, he says, train me. Whatever you're doing, you're, you're, you, you, it's amazing. Your kids are so talented. What's your secret? She says, I know when to take the pain away. Yeah. I know when to take away the painting. It's done. And I feel like this episode, I feel like there were 12.5% of, of, of this episode that was just, it was, god damn, too long, too much. You did that math quickly. I did. I, I was, was really thinking that through. I think I'm right. Strong, strong. Move. I was hoping that you got it wrong. We could make yeah. But you didn't. You got it right. Um, Julia Carley, she's back. Uh, <sighs> what do you think? Um, this was, guys, I feel a little beat up. <laughs> That's how I feel. I yeah. feel a little beat up after this. Um, I would, I would, I would up my percentage a little bit more, maybe by like 2%. I so you're going to go 89 uh, and a half. 89, you know what? I'm going to push it into the nineties is what I'm hmm. going to do. Um, there were moments where I was so satisfied, and I was like, "Okay." There were moments where I thought, "Well, that's that's tied up into little need of a little bow," mm. and then I would be, uh, you know, and then it would sort of right that ship. I'd be like, "Okay," and then it kept on going, and then I was left unsatisfied again, and it wasn't. It, I loved most of it. It just sort of fell flat on the finish for me. Yeah, I, so uh, that's my co-host. So where, where can the folks find you if they want to find you guys and follow along with you? Me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram with my name, Julia Carely. Flippo? Uh, the, the Twitter's Joe Flippo, uh, J-O-E-F-L-I-P-O. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I kind of agree with you guys. You know, I think there's a lot going on in this episode, and, and I was... <laughs> we we agree to pretty much just not talk about True Detective Season 2. It's just, like, not something that's significant to our opinions. But when comparing this one, I think the first season, obviously, is something we all loved. Yes. And yes. A lot of the Very idea... So. You're trying to kind of go back to that and figure out that that's the standard that's being set. How close do they get to the level of satisfaction? And then also, why did that one work so well? Right? Because that's the question I was sort of asking myself as I got to the end of this episode was, I do remember a level of dissatisfaction with the finale of Season 1. I, now, when I'm on rewatch, I think that the finale is really strong. 
and you had this really sinister villain, so there's a big payoff. I think there's also kind of a precedent that's set up with this world and crime in general where just straight murder is not enough. But pedophilia mixed with murder is sort of the worst crime. It's like the it's the most it's the it's the it's the thing that just like you're like, wow, this is a really this is a really messed up story. I have to pay attention. And I think there was a sense that that's where this story was going. And so, you know, we'll get into the specifics shortly here. But I found myself about 35 minutes before the end of the episode as we're getting all the exposition about the what happened. Yeah. And it was clunky in the sense that they they just were like. Yeah, about, you know, 38 minutes into the finale, we're just going to have a character explain word for word everything that happened. It's just going to be the clearest exposition in the world. Like, you don't really have... This is everything we've suggested, and this is exactly what happened. Now, as that's happening, we're all paying attention. We know there's something else at play here. We know that there's going to be another beat after this, because we paused... At one point, I paused the episode, looked at you guys, and I was like, wow, there's there's 33 minutes of the show left. How is it possible that we're getting the full story, they hug each other, and there's a half hour of the show left? So for that reason, I found myself kind of like a combination of dissatisfied and creeped out. And there's even the line towards the end where, you know, Roland actually looks at him. He says, do you do you feel like any kind of closure, man? And he says, I don't. And that's no, obviously meta as all hell, right? That's, that's the audience. He's, right. That's for us. He's supposed to be the audience in that moment. And that's a little bit, I think, of what the complaint I'm seeing in the chat here. You're just j- jumping up here, guys. Chat's popping up. We got a lot of people who you know, want to ask questions. And so feel free to ask your questions here, guys. We're going to be watching it the whole time and responding to it. But I think a lot of us feel that way. It's, it was a weird ending. It, well, you know what? I think there's something to be said for indulging the filmmaker. I think that we're in a position now, and, and Pizzolatto's put himself in that spot, uh, where, where and, and is, is Sackheim directed this one, right? It was, yep. Yes. So between the two of them, they have the credibility for HBO to go, you know what? Do what you're going to do. We're not going to look over your shoulder. We're not going to stir in the pot. You, th- there's, there's, and I think there's something to be said for that. I think giving these guys the, the real freedom to make the movie they want to make, to make the show they want to make, it ends up it, com- with 90% of the time compelling television. Sometimes it goes over the top and you go a little long. But maybe, like you said uh, about season one, maybe that, that finale on rewatch will be better. Maybe if we go back and check this out in, in, in three or four days, we look at it and we go, oh, ah, shit, maybe, maybe it was great. Um, and, and I think, for, by and large, that's not fair. I think, by and large, it was great. Um, I just think, I feel like that last scene with Amelia and, and Wayne went on for three days. And, 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 and it, it, but, but what's interesting about that, like you said, about, about how meta the whole thing gets, it, it, and I, I love the idea, and, I, and I, it's not a mistake. They do it on purpose. So we sit down with Julian. He gives us the entire rundown, like you said. Here's the whole thing. Here's the whole thing. And now punish me. Get, get, get it out. And they say no. Right. So and in a way, that's meta also. Right. Because the audience's the audience's inclination is you've had the, the criminal confess. Now we punish the criminal and then all is well. But that's not what's going to happen. So the crime is, I don't know, wealth. Maybe we can call, call the yeah. crime wealth and, and indulgence. And and at the end of it all, no one's getting punished. There is no punishment. There's no. So there's no in, 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 in there's no formulaic. Resolution. Well, there's been so much punishment. There's been so much death over this. Oh, yeah. They're dropping like flies. From the very beginning, there's yeah. been punishment after punishment for the people who really were nefarious and really were the criminals. And somehow this guy comes off as kind of, I mean, he's even Roland says at some point, like, so he calls him like, oh, the, the hero, you're so heroic right. yeah. for, for keeping Leaving this the door quiet open. And, yeah. and taking care of this little girl and giving her a map. You're so heroic. But people have died. A lot of people have died over this case. I just feel like that scene where this all comes to light 
it a lot of it was kind of predictable when we're also conditioned to be so like twisty yeah dark yeah, yeah, and yeah. twisty i was like oh well oh, I mean, yeah. it's just a little too pretty for a show that's so gritty it, it literally felt like the and in this four minutes we'll explain everything that yeah, happened in this episode like, of law and order oh. like that's that's exactly kind of, you was, know i was noticing all of us because you know we voraciously write down notes yeah. all the time because we watch it and then we come straight in here and for that whole scene everyone's pen was down we're like oh yeah. I, yeah. Okay. I don't need to take notes on that. I I, I kind of knew that. Right. You just said yes. You just gave it to me. But but isn't that? I mean, but I think that that would be that would be the point, right? That that is not the point. Yeah. That the resolution of the of of the storyline ends up not being the point when it's all said and done. That the relationships are the point. Yes. That that when it's that 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 you know we've said okay in the first half her first half of the finale we've given you the plot you know how this ends. We know exactly what happened. That's all wrapped up in a nice little bow. But you're not going to get the punishment aspect of it. You're not going to get the reward that you're, you've been trained to expect in, in TV and, and then, then they're, you know, by, by, by extension, real life, which doesn't really happen anyway. So you're not getting that punishment. You're not getting that, that, that payoff. And he, the character's not getting it. You, the audience, aren't getting it. So what is the point? We still got 40 minutes of show left, and, and we're going to dive into relationships now, and that's really going to be what ends up being the the point maybe is that is that kind of do you think well that's what made season, i'm sorry this is a really fast thought that's what made that's what makes true detective true detective for me it's about to me the detectives it's about their family right. and their relationship to the crime the crime even though we think it's the the driving force is kind of secondary because that's ancillary. what we got yeah. that's what we got in season one that's why i think season two fell so flat and that's why season three has been so fantastic. I want to know, guys, in the chat, if you're listening along, watch along, let us know, just generally, would you give this one a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Yeah. I mean, this season, in the end, uh, thumbs up or a thumbs down. As a whole or for the season? I think as a whole, uh, this, I think there's a lot of negativity about this ending in here. And so it's possible that it feels like it fell flat at the end. I just would like to know, in general, do you guys feel pretty satisfied or do you feel let down? So uh, we're going to kind of go bit by bit. I think the first thing I'd like to start with the first piece of the story that we should probably start with is Wayne and Amelia because that's how the episode ends. And it's, uh, yeah, Wayne and Amelia. Mm-hmm. And they give us a couple really distinct beats in this episode from their relationship that we've been waiting to see. Um, obviously, the moment where he commits and decides that he's going to make a life of this, despite the fact that we see in the 1990 timeline, they even out loud acknowledge our whole relationship has, ra- has been wrapped yeah. up in the death of this boy and the disappearance of this girl. Right, like they kind of from the beginning know that that's the case. He kind of knows from the beginning I'm being worked by this person who wants to write this book. That's this relationship, mm-hmm. and he commits to that. And so we see that moment, right? We also see the moment when they decide to walk away, and they acknowledge that that's exactly what's happened. And finally, um, at the end of the show, she's the one who basically solves the crime. And that's another problem I had with the show was that he gets the big moment in a vision of hearing her talk. It's just. She just tells him the answer, yeah. and he just hears it. Like, that's literally it. It's not like he found a piece of evidence. I guess he was reading the book. He was reading... Oh, he, the book fell, and it opened to that specific page, and it's sort of a... I feel like it harkens to the idea that she's there, because she's always sort of there with him. It was... I mean, I will say the the very, very, very end was so sad, because no one will ever know. Yeah, we've got... Uh, overall, I give a double thumbs up. says DJGOFLFR6. I can't... I'm just going to say that. Uh, thumbs up, I loved it. says Carrie Allman. Uh, botched ending, says Mono Patrick. Mm. Um, we've got a thumb up from Robert Douche. Uh, yeah, so a lot, of, a lot of different opinions in here. Wow, the chat's popping, guys. Yeah, hi, guys. Um, this is great. Hello. But um, 
I think their relationship is such an essential piece of this. And that's like the thing I really want to focus on to start with, because do you think that from the beginning, as he says to her, you're somebody who doesn't even know what you're doing? Do you think she was working him and she didn't know? No, I, I think that is one of my favorite lines that, that I've ever seen in anything. You, you, you are the type of person who does not even know what you're doing. Half the, you don't know what, you, what, what you're up to most of the time. You're a pretty woman who nobody expects to take responsibility for what they do. That line is incredible. So many people go through life that way. They have it's it's so funny when you when you go to acting school, you know what, you got what's the motivation? Why is the character yeah, doing that? Why right. is the character doing that? Half the fucking time, the people don't know why they're doing anything. Yeah, people are just doing shit that they're instinctually doing and they don't know why. And I love that somebody finally said it. I, another line yeah. that he says here in that same interaction that I think is terrific is where she says, "You told me you would tell me everything." He said that was a mistake. I, I say things and do things for your approval. Yes. Right. And, and, yes. And I, that I wish I wasn't doing. And that I, line I made me jump anymore. for joy for this entire... That was one of my favorite lines of it. Because that has been such a, a, a spot of contention for us. It was like shaking the tables. Right. I hate Amelia. She's so manipulative. Why is he? Why is he still doing this? Why are they so wrapped up in this? When he laid that out on the table... Oh, I also just, just think, like a nice breath of fresh air. I think that's a that's a characteristic in so many relationships and even friendships is people do that. Yeah, people, that's like that's not like a that's a very common, very relatable trait. And so I think that was an interaction that I thought was really strong. This episode actually had a few really fleshed out three dimensional oh, moments. Like amazing that. stuff. That, that's why I say you know, like the, the, should have taken the pain away a little earlier. But I mean, but let me let me say one more thing about there about well more, not more than one, but I mean something that is. I just wonder how much their relationship is not Nick Pizzolatto fantasy writing about a marriage. There is there is an ability in these in those scenes to examine themselves, and and I, I I've been married sixteen years. You've been married a long time. Ten. We you don't have conversations like that with your wife. That's that I you that you, who has that <laughs> deep a conversation? I Never? don't anyway. That's not fair. That's not fair. We don't. And you know maybe we've got kids and we're you know business and 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 work and all the things. But uh, I am deeply impressed with the introspection that they're able to bring, and and I wonder if uh, and, and uh, maybe it's more common than, I, than 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 not. I mean, it doesn't happen every day, but when big things like big things are happening in but this I mean, marriage at this moment, that's when you have to, to have... literally sit it down and really talk it out and really be honest. I am deeply impressed. If you guys can have conversations like that, because we are not on that level. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'll be honest. If that kind of shit, that is deep. If if I ever sat down with my wife and said, mm, boy, oh boy, well, I'd, I'd be sleeping on your couch. You don't think but, you'd be having that conversation if Aaron came out and you were burning your clothes at 3 o'clock in the morning like a damn zombie. That's a fair point. You'd be point. like, okay, we really that's, have to get serious point. for a so, second. So, so what you're saying is I need to go bury Harris James somewhere and burn some shit, and then it might, it yeah. might, it might set off some truth. It might get a little deep, buddy. <laughs> so here's a question for you guys. And I, again, this is another one for the chat that I'd really like to know, guys. In the end, if we agree that there is a part of her character that doesn't know what she's doing some of the time, do you like her as a character? Do you think that she's a, somebody that is she good? Is she shitty? I I feel that she's shitty. I don't like her. As I a have character. no empathy. She for bothered the at all. crap out yes. of me. I hated her the whole time, but yeah. I kind of loved to hate her, which is a testament to the actress and her performance. I mean, she played it so she gorgeously, it really well. and the relationship was played so gorgeously. But I hated her all the time. Yeah. I, I, I just disliked that she was so willing oh god when she's talking to him when he's like I don't want to see you anymore and she's like you're, you have a gun and a badge and you're so weak and uh, stuff you learn in a movie like she just had this ability to cut through him and say these really like horrible manipulative things but also then to 
She felt very manipulative, that, like the whole oh, entire yeah. time. That felt like kind of the MO of her character. That's was... when she knew what she was doing. But I'm glad that we go back to 1990 and have that big, deep, heart-to-heart conversation. Yeah. Because when we're in 2015, this whole season, I've been thinking to myself, why is he loving on her, on her memory so much? Why is he still talking to her and care about her and missing her so deeply when she was just... A cold bitch half the time. But now we see after this awful thing happens, after the death, after they murdered uh, Harris, he's been out with um, Hoyt, and they have this heart to heart, and they restart, and they start their own story. And then we have that little flash of that new timeline, yeah. just for the very beginning of the of the episode, where he has taken on a new career as yeah, the right. head of security for uh, university. He's encouraged her to write books that aren't based on this, and we know that she wrote multiple books after she wrote that one book on the case. We- She's teaching at a university, and, and I feel like that's when they really fell in love with each other at that conversation and moving forward. Yeah, right. It's And that's interesting. And then, like, so the fact that it's only after she passes away in this modern timeline, this grumpy old men timeline, that we get to see in some way the crime solved and he can move past this life that he built with her. Let's mm-hmm. say now he's got nothing left to lose, so he's just going to go for it. Um, but yeah, I, I thought their relationship was such a core piece of the show, and, and it, it was one of the smartest and most complex pieces of the show was the way you were supposed to sort of pass judgment on the way they related to each other. Definitely. And every episode, it seemed you could find... You would side with one of them. You'd, you'd find flaws in one of them, or you'd right. say, "Oh, they're manipulating him. Oh, he's just a drunk. Oh, you know, he's scared." Like to the point that I even found myself questioning at times: Is he imagining some of this? Was some of this made up? Did some of this not happen? Mm. Is his like dementia? You know, and and in the end, of course, uh, it did all happen. But it's so interesting that the episode ends with them on the porch. He sees the little girls, or yeah, he sees the kids on the bikes, and flashes back to that scene in the bar. And the phrase time is a flat circle comes from Russ Cole in season one, right? Yes. It's been used over and over again. And um, that sort of idea that the whole, the show ultimately comes back to a deja vu moment from the very first episode. Right. Time is a flat circle. And not only that, uh-huh. but the show ends with his relationship actually beginning. Really. Right. <clears throat> um, and that's obviously because a lot of us film school stuff. He's trying to connect all of it. But um, – yeah, so so I just I just wanted to touch on the relationship a bit. I oh. loved the concept still in that sort of vein when she is sort of when she's ghost Amelia and he's she's helping him solve it that um about a story that goes on and on that so far that it heals itself. Mm. And that's what this sort of felt like to me a little bit even though it may not have been completely rooted in truth because he he know or he because of his dementia and he's sort of forgetting things and he's not able to satisfy Roland in that way but it's a really happy, happy family moment. We have a happy family moment with Julie and her daughter Lucy right. and that she's found happiness. And the story that's been so tormented and torturous has just gone on and on. And I loved that because they introduced a couple new timelines with him and Nam and then yeah. them at the university that it sort of just healed itself for us. But yeah. Yeah, it was it was fascinating for sure. So uh, I think let's let's jump on to the next topic. I want to talk about that that car ride at the beginning with My- Michael Brooker, his uh, you know six minutes of screen oh, time. So That's good. all he needs. Um, but before I do, I remind everybody here, guys, that we are the ESPN of TV Talk, and it's you guys that have made us the ESPN of TV Talk. We continue to grow, and we could actually use your help if you give us a rating, a review, five stars, preferably on iTunes. We do like the fives. to the channel here on YouTube. Let you know, comment all those things. There's a bunch of different AfterBuzz TV YouTube channels now. There's AfterBuzz Originals. There's AfterBuzz Red Carpets where you can find myself as well as other hosts interviewing celebrities at events. There's you know 
Superhero Weekly and stuff like that. You can check out all these different channels. So go subscribe to the channel that has the shows that you like best or all of them if you want to. And uh, continue, you know, helping us to be the ESPN of TV talk. We, we are your friends. Tell your friends about us so we can continue to be your friends. We enjoy the shows. We want you guys to do the same thing. Let's keep talking True Detective. Um, so this, this, this drive with Michael Rooker. First of all, casting choice. Love Michael Rooker, but necessary? What do you think? He's scary. Why not? He's he gives an immediate gravitas to the character. Sure, just having him there immediately <laughs> gives the character like five different at five different uh, what you call it uh, degrees of weight to him. You kind of maybe you kind of need for him to feel as imposing yeah. somebody who you recognize, Mister Svenning from Mallrats. That's he, what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love that movie so much. Uh, it's a problem. Yeah. Now we're out of gun. I love I love that it and I, I really that's one of my favorite things about casting about stunt casting. I know it's not stunt cast, but I mean you you just bring in somebody who has who has that gravitas and you have the the audience has a relationship with already, and so you 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 elevate the character just by bringing him in. Yeah, and then uh, and then what he does with it is fantastic. He's just he he just he automatically brings. There's nothing he's going to do that's half ass. He's not going to read what's on the page. No, and just bring that. No, he's gonna he's gonna have you know an affectation. He's gonna he's gonna come in there and give you a history and he's gonna give you a feeling. And and you got the sense that here was a powerful man with a lot of money who really didn't know how the fuck to move, how to make this, how to make this all work. And and I I really thought the casting choice was phenomenal. As soon as I saw his face, I was like, that's perfect. Thank oh, you. Did you. You didn't pick up last week when you heard his voice. I heard his I voice last week. Oh yeah, the voice. I didn't pick it up. I was like, that's definitely Michael Rooker. I also knew it was coming, but um, still, the voice. The voice I like gives to be it surprised. away. Yeah. So so that scene was interesting, right? And it's obviously the moment that he decides that he's gonna he's gonna move on from the case for a while for the sake of his family. And that's an important line too that he says. That he says to Roland, um, you know, their relationship, that was cool to watch as it fleshed out. I, th- I think their relationship was the one that I enjoyed the most this Me season. too. I thought they were great. And even just the end on the porch, like, they're buds. They're old bros. It's actually funny, once again, we look for those parallels. But, like, Russ and Marty, as they leave the hospital and they become buddies. Or they are buddies, but, like, they're old buddies now. Right. That's such an endearing thing that they've gone through the fire together, and that's yeah. kind of the same feeling you get here. Is, is the old guys, and you know, Stephen Dorr's going to kind of help take care of him now because he's he's got this dementia, and like they didn't feel any like their like their relationship and what their life was going to look like didn't feel unresolved. It actually felt kind of tied up. Like Henry have Henry gets the address on the piece of paper. They give you that carrot that's dangled that yeah. he's going to at least keep an eye on this girl. Right. He's going to so, find out who she is. You know. Yeah. I don't know if I actually, now that I'm really sitting here thinking about it, I, at first it was Michael Rooker and I was super stoked because I love everything he does. But up until the end of that scene when, you know, he his back is to him and he asks him if if he if you're trying to make me feel threatened, up until that it just felt very stereotypical Ruckery. Um, some of the choices were not choices that I was expecting, not to say that I'm, you know, who am I to say? But are not the choices that I was expecting for a character like Hoyt. Yeah. Um, this great safari man with all the riches in the world. And um, just just to make him a drunk, you know, in the back of a limo, just was like, all right. I just wanted a little more a little more gravitas, a little more bravado. I don't know. Yeah. I, I liked I, I like what they did as far. I, well, I, I like the whole thing, to be honest with you. I, I, I enjoyed the... Um, I enjoyed the, the the choices. I thought what, what I liked about it was setting up a man who's used to being in power, and he's used to flexing power, and he knows how to do it. And every time he does it, it's just a different way, it did a different tactic maybe, but he's, yeah. he's flexing, and he knows how. And what was interesting to me, or, or well, not interesting, but uh, good choices, that's the next morning. Harris James has been missing for like seven hours. Yeah. And he shows up at Wayne's house with two Cadillacs and four guys 
and get in the car. I think I'm just saying is that the phone call that we got at the end of last episode paired with the guy that we saw this episode did not really didn't mesh for me. I got you. That I, I got was you. expecting someone else to get out of that car, a different character to get out of that car because of that phone call that was menacing more... and was calm and was very um, kind of eloquent and, yeah. and, and well thought out, every word he said. And right. then you got that. And I was like, it's not what I thought. They also continue this this show to pass very strong judgment on uh, sobriety. Like it's a even to the point that the final line is, uh, "What should I do about this proposal?" I guess I should sober up first. That's a start. Like oh that's God. everyone's drunk all the time in the show. Yeah, I mean, he really chose the black and white of, of the health of the health of sobriety and the you know just that nefariousness of drinking. It's like which a is thing. why we should have had cocktails on the show on tonight. The show tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Let the wheels fall off. <laughs> Let's really get into it. But yeah, I think the Rooker scene, you know, obviously it's the moment that they they decide they're going to put the case behind him. And that dovetails into, you know, Roland getting into this fight, this wonderful fight at the bar, uh, which is just like, I guess he's upset. So he just wants to, like, get his ass kicked. He just, like, wants to hurt himself. That's the that's the whole idea. That, that was, was beautiful. That scene was so Dorfy, uh, so Stephen Dorfy. I yeah. was so into it. I it, felt like a, like a little teenage girl yeah. loving on Stephen Dorf again. I, I, I got to be honest. I, I've got I've got buddies that your, your husband and I have, oh. have known for years that are this way that that will that will go start fights like this, and um and, and you know you don't really acknowledge that guys like this are real, but yeah. they're real. And and there's these guys who are like, who's the biggest guy in the bar? Yeah, I'm gonna fight him. Like, this is a terrible idea. I know. Uh, so you know, I've I've seen this go down enough times that I, it's absolutely a real thing. And um, I thought he did a beautiful job. <laughs> Just get the shit kicked out of him. And then and then the dog, which I love that moment too. Oh, yeah, I love oh, the, that mangy mutt. The birth of the kennel. And yes. he's got that. And, he, and he's also got the jack with the spout from he's the bar. St- clearly, which stolen. is my favorite. That he's sitting there with it. He's not even. He hasn't even taken the spout off. Nope. He's literally just drinking it. He's got his out metal of the pour. bar spout Absolutely. right down your belly. Yeah, makes it really nice and easy. <laughs> Did that scene sort of the the scene with the dog sort of uh, remind you of the very first time we meet Roland West and he's shooting random things and the coyote comes up. Oh yeah, and right, uh, right, and right. Hayes stops him from shooting it. Was it a fox or the co- fox? Right, fox or coyote? Yeah, or something. yeah maybe a you fox. Can't shoot a fox. You can't shoot a fox. You can't shoot this mangy mutt. And you know mm-hmm. you're just meant to love them for the rest of your lives. And there it is. I so thought that scene was unconditional was, love. Uh, unconditional oh, love. Yeah, I, I, I loved it. I actually thought that. I think he's been really great. I hope that this. I hope that this gets watched by enough people that Stephen Dorff gets a little bit, a little bit of juice in his career now because of it. Because he was so good so this whole season. Good. And he had to fight against that, those terrible wigs that they gave him for the eighties. Yeah. God bless him. <laughs> Come on, HBO. I love you. Get some wigs. But man, uh, he was phenomenal this whole season. Everything yeah. was great. Yeah, it definitely felt like really um, not a dwarf I knew of before. Mm-mm. And is he nah, not just Deacon Frost anymore? Yeah, I don't know this, but is he like uh, notably sober now? I think I think he is. Is that a thing? Well, oh, I, I, I thought I he... thought that he had had like like issues with uh, addiction for a long time. Like I could be making this up here, guys, and I'm if I'm sure. wrong, ca- call me out on it. But I seem to remember reading or hearing. And I feel like maybe that's one of the stories you hear is that Steven Dorff is now sober. So mm. it's possible that, like, just like, you know, when Mickey Rourke gets cast in The Wrestler, you kind of go with these – you go with a character like him that's really lived some life. He's got some miles on him. Oh, yeah. So you put him in this role. You know, he's a hard-drinking cop. It's like you feel like he can handle the material. I, maybe I'm reading it too much. But. but he had so much sensitivity to it that was really nuanced. I was really impressed with him. Yeah. I, one of the scenes that he had in tonight's episode that I loved so much is the scene in 1980 – when Hayes is getting chewed out, that you have to sign this statement. And he's talking to him 
downstairs after he's like, I, you know, put my name up for you. And he's like, come on, man. Like, you know, you can't just quit. I put my name up for you. You know, you, you're better than this. You're smarter than this. People say you're a professional. And their interaction, and he's like, he got used. It just reminded me, like, that's such a classic that's such a classic interaction between two characters. One of them's kind of a hothead. You know, one of them's a little more rational. Like, you've got, you know, a third voice often, which is going to be a relationship one of them has who's got an opinion on it, and that's kind of screwing things up. And you, wa- I love the way they were interacting with each other where he's like, yeah, you're right, man. I got I got ahead of myself. You know, I, I overreacted. He's like, oh, good. But you know that he's not really saying that. Yeah. He's, just, he's more just saying, like, get off my back. Mm-hmm. And you can tell Stephen Dorff's upset with him. He's disappointed. And Hayes is being prideful. He's absolutely being upset and prideful, but he doesn't know what else to do because that's kind of how he is. He's a hothead. Like, I just – that interaction to me felt so real. It's so – like something I've seen happen to people. It also broke my heart a little bit. He's like, "What about us? We're partners. Like, yeah, like, this is your relationship, not this, not, not this, this girl. new bro- new new broad out of nowhere. No. Yeah, this no, is about it's a rough you and scene. me, buddy. And and obviously Roland. And but but I mean that's and Roland has we, he ends up being the most consistent character in the whole thing. Sure. He 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 continues to bring that that back over and over again. Let me help you. Let me help you. Let me help you. Yeah. Let me adopt you. Let me take you into my. Let me fix you. Here we go. Yeah. Over and over again, no matter what he does, right up to I mean, at the end, he's on the porch with Wayne and his family. Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll come stay with you three nights a week. It's awesome. No, yeah. it's, it's great. I love him. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna come move in. Is that cool? And he doesn't do it heavy handed either. He comes in gentle, like, hey, that's cool. I mean, I'm trying to get more toward town. Is that okay yeah. if I come? He's gonna like kind of help take care of him. Yeah, but like yeah. as a favor to me, do let me let me come stay with you. Thank you. Um, I big, love that. Big shout to the chat, guys. We have over 200 people in the chat hey right now. Hey, guys. Uh, that's exciting. There's people that uh, want to hear mm. us talk about if this show is, is good or not. So um, I'll do some more shout-outs here in a in a second. Uh, Nuff said NY says, Michael Rooker was drinking Hennessy straight from the bottle, LOL. I've never Boom. done the Hennessy straight from the bottle mm. myself. Um, that's done, a rough scene. I've done straight from the bottle a couple times in my life, but never Hennessy. That's, that's a, no, you, it's you a baller gotta, move. Yeah, it's a baller move. Um, so... Uh, Something they never wrapped up. Some, there are a few loose ends they never wrapped up. We don't know how Amelia dies. We don't know how she dies. I got the sense by the time you see her at the university that she just gets sick. That's, that's, that's what yeah. I was sort of going with. They had suggested and it didn't seem like we needed to know more than that. Um, they don't ever wrap up Roland Tom. You don't find out if they actually, if they were gay. Oh. But it sounded like Nick, uh, Nick, Nick Pizzolatto tweeted that it wasn't a thing. Said that was a no-go. That wasn't a thing. Not a yeah. thing. Yeah. That it was just a just a good just a good friendship and that was it. Got it. Okay, interesting. Okay. I didn't I didn't know that. So okay, that's that that is wrapped up on some level then. Um, now let's. It was talk... fun to theorize about it though. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Julie and where where she ends up. The the kid uh, Mike, right? Uh, yeah, Mike right Ar- Ardwan. Yeah, Mike Ardwan. Uh, that Julie ends up at you know as as uh, married July and kind of how that all wraps up. So. First of all, were you guys satisfied with the fact that she was alive, living happily, or when she was dead, did you feel like that was okay? I, when they killed her with HIV, yeah, I, I literally did one of these. I said, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> and, and because that was such a, you know, you, you grew up in the nineties. It, it, everything that was dramatic in the world had a it, everything. Everybody yeah, right, was right, 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 right. gay and dying of AIDS. That was just every show, everywhere, everything that was happening. And so when they said, "Oh, she had AIDS," I'm like, "Oh fuck, really?" Really, God, you're not going to do that. And then, and then when it turned out it was a fake, I was like, "Yes, thank you that that was yeah, a fake." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have felt like when that was the case. It really felt like the show 
like I was like, okay, it can't all be that convenient, and she's dead. Yeah, like yeah. that. The, it, that would just be too much because as we were all looking at each other, like, okay, we're, there's a twist here. There's enough time. Where there has to be a twist. There's no way we're watching True Detective. If there's not a twist. So of course she's alive. And when you first meet Mike, and he's like, yeah, my dad ran the place. There was a quick second where I was like, season one, they're all descendants. Like he's a the the, the lawnmower man. Oh you know? yeah. I was like, okay, is this okay. going to be somehow related? And I was thankfully it wasn't. I'm glad that guy was a good guy, not a bad guy. And also that we see her, and it's kind of cathartic, right? That Hayes talks to her, but he doesn't realize who he's talking to because he's forgotten. So it's like kind he finally, of amazing. Yeah, he kindly he finally gets to meet her and talk to her and like know she's alive without even knowing who she is. Do you guys like that? Yeah. I, well, I want to I want to talk to you guys about that. I mean, uh, so obviously there there were meetings, and obviously a decision was made that that's how we're going to do this. I don't know if Nick just writes this all by himself or if if he writes it and then there's you know like hey, is this how we really want to do this? But what a what an amazing choice, right? He chases her for thirty five years. 25? 25 years. No, 35 years. 1980. Yeah. 35 years, and when he finally catches her, he has no idea what he's doing there. What an amazing choice. So sad. Ah. So but, but, sad. But why do we think? Why did, why did Pizzolatto choose for him not to have cognition, but volition? But he still gets to have the satisfaction of thinking that the case has been solved. He remembers that part, right? Do you think that he remembers that part that he and Roland solved the case, sat down with at the end? You're talking with, about when, with, he, when he's drinking and his and his eye goes back. Yeah, at that point, do you think he thinks the case that they had just solved the case the night before? You no. don't think he remembers any of that going to the White he, House or anything? It's all gone. I think probably what's going to happen is he's going to remember things and try to solve this again. And unfortunately, as sad as it is, I think he's probably gotten closer than he's realized over the over the years prior. And uh, I think it's going to sort of continue to be a vicious cycle. Um, yeah. But I thought from the, from the point of view of, like, as a detective, whether or not it matters that he even remembers that he's spent time with her and sees that she's safe, we as an audience get to see that he accomplished what he wanted, was to, which yes. was to make sure that this girl he was looking for was safe. So that, at that point, does it become quixotic? Does it become like, you know, tilting at windmills? I mean, is that, <laughs> is that does it kind of become like a Don like Quixote, Maybe you know, like uh, old man tilting at windmills at the end? I mean, Could is that kind of the... I mean, he had haze in the jungle at the end for a second, like just to symbolize what? Why is I he? I don't know. Why is he in the jungle? Because he's because he's alone and has been alone this whole time. Is that what a, he's trying to suggest? Inherently a tracker, and he's going to find his way back. Maybe. I don't know. I don't I, know. I, 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 don't I, really... I like, that last shot. I was like, huh? Oh, <laughs> am I deep enough for this? Damn it! Now I got to write more shit. <laughs> I got to think about this. <laughs> no, I don't know. That that you know that's that. Damn you, Pizzolatto, with your interestingness. Maybe think... it's to show that he's never going to stop, no matter what, because that who he, that's who he is as in, as a person. Yeah, I think one of the things. You get the sense from Hayes for most of the show that he's pretty lost. He doesn't really know. He's constantly searching for some some level of meaning in his life. He's constantly, yeah. whether it's he's trying to find it in the job or he's trying to find it in this woman who he's looking for her approval. Uh, you know what I mean? Like he's constantly looking for something that he seems to be unable to find. And I think that's maybe what that's supposed to symbolize is he goes into – he goes into the woods by himself looking for something, and he's been looking for something his whole life. His whole time. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but I don't know. that There's, like, this show ultimately came down to one giant character study of this character. Like, yeah. Hayes. It's this whole study yes. of, of Hayes. And to the point that this episode was at least ten minutes too long, and several of the scenes, like him and his daughter in the car, you're just like, 
I'm not really sure that did anything for the show. I'm not even really sure why we had her as a character or even had her come back. I need that affectation of, of what their rift may have been, why she won't come back to Arkansas. Well, have you have you been to Arkansas? I mean, I'm not trying to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really an, an, an influxing kind of a place. Uh, I have been to Arkansas. How, oh, how did you, how did how did you like it? Uh, I've only been to Bentonville, Arkansas, no. uh, which several that. times. It's a small town. It is where the Walmart headquarters is, and it's basically Walmart town. It's like 60% of the population is Walmart employees or people that work with Walmart. Or huh. more, it's like 75%. Wow. Because it's just a town that companies open offices to be close to Walmart. And so people oh. fly in to meet with Walmart, which is what I've done. And uh, that's, yeah, Bentonville, Arkansas. There Interesting. True Bentonville, story. Arkansas. Who knew? Yeah. Um, but going <laughs> back stay. to this. I didn't say. You came didn't back, stay. didn't you? Um, I, that, like some of that stuff was confusing to me. I didn't understand why we needed little bits and moments of his character so late in the game. Like, especially in the back half of the final episode to show us that moment with Becca. Or even really, for that matter, showing him with Amelia in the bar as the final scene. That was, like, he wanted their relationship to be such an important part of the show. That's why we talked about it first. But in the end, it's them as detectives trying to solve a fucking crime is what the show is interesting. It's not because of his relationship to Amelia. I couldn't agree with you more. That that last scene in that bar, I was like, really? After all this, this is what you're leaving me with? I don't care about them. I don't like her. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The fact, I mean, that's, like, probably the biggest miss for me on this show is that he really belabored this idea that you were supposed to see the humanity in Amelia... And in the end, she's just not a likable person. Mm-mm. And, like, so the idea that your main protagonist, Hayes, who you've been you're really buying into and have been buying into, the final scene is him crying and telling her that he wants to marry her when you kind of know it's, like, not really a good decision you're for like, her. like, why? Why? Why do you want to marry her? But but isn't that, isn't that, that, but that's the guy. And that's the girl. I mean, that's the... I get the. I, it's it's like like I said earlier tonight. It it, it is the it is the uh, it, it, we're giving the in our in our tour, and uh, free reign, right? I mean, he has basically a blank check from HBO, so he's going to tell the story that he wants to tell. So obviously, that's what he wants to say. Right? He wants us at the end to be having this conversation about this relationship. And the flawed start and why it, she's so manipulative and, and a little bit twisted up. But why does he respond to that with so much? He gives everything. I mean, in, in the first two months or two, two what, how long do you, would you say they were, they were hooking up? Maybe a week, two weeks, three weeks before she burns him on the story and costs him his career? And he, Maybe, yeah. And he turns around at the end of that and I want to marry you. The fuck? I mean, but I mean that that there's obviously there's something there. We're not, yeah, as the audience, we're supposed to be digging through and finding. I just haven't fucking found it. He like, yeah, I mean, I mean people people hear a lot of people here responding to what to the what does the jungle mean? Uh, maybe the jungle scene represents him finally finding what he's been looking for, or his memories being finally lost forever. Says Ooh. Chris Salisbury. Um, so Ooh, yeah, no. and he's just got to go and, and dig through the jungle forever and ever. Amen. Uh. Yeah, which is interesting, and that's that's an interesting opinion. I mean, yeah, it was it definitely was a you know they, he wanted to do something profound in the episode to change to change what you thought you were watching. Um, I want to talk quickly because I think we only have a little bit of well, can time. Can I say one thing left. real fast oh, oh, about yeah, please, like a little ahead. idea about that? Is that a theme that they talked about a little bit with him is his hardened heart and his face has been sort of cut off from the world because he because of his hardened heart or cut off members of his family and loved ones. We did see him end with acts of love between he and Amelia in that scene. 
That was definitely an act of love. We saw an act of love between... It was implied. It felt like even though he didn't know who Julie was, there was a moment that felt like love between little Lucy, Julie, and him witnessing their relationship. And then you end with uh, acts of love with he and his family. So maybe that's what he had been searching for this whole time, and he found it. I mean, I think that's I think is totally reasonable. Love. Love. (laughs) So I want to just make sure this is this is correct, and I think it is. So Lauren Sweetser, uh, who I think plays Isabel, uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. Lauren Sweetser, that looks like her, right? That looks like the that looks like the mom. That's Isabel. Yeah. Yes, she looks remarkably similar to the actress who plays Kurt Russell's wife in Tombstone, who's also hooked on yeah. opium, right? Oh yeah, she Love almost them. looks the Love same. Them. Now I don't think Love it can't it can't be the same person because this girl is not way too much younger. Um, but uh, but yeah, like, that and that that whole entire from the second that Junius they find they find his you know uh, they find his home and he and he does the whole he's confession. He's the chickens, of course. It's like of course it's the of course chickens. chickens. And he's kind of explaining the whole thing and. Beat by beat, he's walking you through what's happened. It's all it's all plausible. It obviously takes the seven episodes. It all adds up. Mm-hmm. But it just was like probably my biggest disappointment with the show. Coming back to it is that that is how the information was given to us. Is that that was the, that was the crime. That's all in one person's exposition with flashback scenes. By with the way, flashbacks. Yes, with flashbacks. Yeah, and that's and when uh, he also when he that guy showed up in 1990 at the at the book signing or the book reading. Like yeah. we could have just solved it right then and there. But when I mean, well, as a, uh, uh, well, what is he looking for? Right. So he he went to to Wayne's house every night in the car. Right. So he's obviously been waiting for these guys to come get him yeah. in some way or another. Right. So he's. In a lot of ways, he's he's kind of instigating this his his own involvement there on the back end, right? Because he wants absolution, he wants to have this done. He doesn't want to live with this anymore. Um, so I mean, that's I mean, he he really gave them himself. Yeah, I mean, that was the deal, right? He didn't have to go to Wayne's house and camp out in his car. That's just weird, right? So I mean, like he he kind of set himself up on purpose because he wanted to be punished for it. But I I think the story is you know the the money guts norms, right? I mean, the wheels come off when that much money is involved. Like from his point of view, right? He he did right because he tried to leave a door open for this kid what that he right that he like basically helped kidnap that he helped kidnap and then and then maintain this kidnapping and well we sold her well you know we gave the mom money so fuck it's cool and well the dad we just kind of hoped that would sort itself out I mean it just it it is an interesting they also killed idea killed a kid yeah killed a kid not nobody cares right nobody cares it's crazy that then the idea that 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 money will do that. And that's real, by the way. That's I mean, we're living in there's nothing new under the sun. That much money, the norms norms are gone. Yeah, wheels go flying off, man. Yeah. So, uh, guys, we are almost out of time. Um, We I think should probably get to a last couple things, and I think the probably the best thing to do really quickly is get into predictions. Uh, We should predict what's going to happen to the show, right? And now you're after Buzz TV. And I don't believe that True Detective Season 4 has been renewed yet. If it has, uh, I haven't heard it. But uh, what do you guys see as the future of this show? Do you think that we are going to see a Season 4? Do you think they're going to lean more into Season 1? Do you think maybe you get back 
you get back Woody or Rust or both of them. It feels like that's the move, right? You try to you try well, to tie the shows back together. They've dangled that in front of us a little bit by tying in together right. and creating. Now they're start, starting to create a universe. It seems so. Yeah. I, I think that's a definite possibility. I thought the best part of finales is that we didn't have to do predictions. Yeah. You know, I panic when we had to do a prediction. <laughs> <laughs> that's not fair. <laughs> it isn't fair. It just isn't fair. Meredith, Meredith, um. I'll, I'll give you a prediction. Um, yes, I definitely think there will be a season four. And and I think that he hot will... Hot take, Flip. Hot take. Hot takes. Uh, I think there will be a season four. And and I, I think just based on the interest that season three has garnered and... And the amount of uh, the amount of uh, the amount of juice that it's had, I think it's done real well. Um, I think it'll be season four. I think it'll be it'll. You're right. I think they're going to tie in the universe. I yeah. think that's true. Um, I, I do want to say that my prediction earlier that that this whole thing was about buying a kid oh, uh, yeah. for for Isabel. I, I I was right about that. Yeah, strong. Strong. you don't want to strong make a call. prediction. Call. Just call. Just I, I, just to wanna, I just want to go ahead and pat myself <laughs> okay, on, there the, you go, on the old spot. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think season four is in the offing. And and I you know what? And I, I'll be honest with you. I want to rewatch this because I feel like. I feel like there was a lot that um, that in the in the interest of like, hey, let's finish this up, let's get this wrapped up, let's get the plot, and that's. I think there's probably stuff that uh, is worth revisiting because um, Pizzolatto does. He, 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 there's no no accidents. He gives you good stuff. So. Yeah. Maybe we can tie a little bit into season two as well to give that a little bit of redemption. Maybe yeah, you don't have to. Yeah, maybe. Season. I don't know. People, some people, some people love that season. Our, you know, Nate, our uh, fourth panelist, who's not here tonight, he loves season two. But yeah, he does love season two. Um, I, I think I'm with you guys. There will be a season four. I'm excited for it. I obviously this is a hard show to do correctly. I hope Pizzolatto yes. maybe kind of takes the takes the creative reins completely. Like maybe directs the full season. Mm. Like maybe he really just decides to do it. And brings back some of the season one stuff. It would be great to see it connect back to at least one of those two cops. Um, but yeah, on the whole, I I'm very excited about it, and I, I was, you know, I'm thankful we had almost 300 people in this chat. So guys, yeah, nice was, to hang out with you. Yeah, it was awesome to have you guys in here. Uh, the really nice people saying nice things. They enjoyed tuning in all season. Okay. So um, yeah, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for watching. One more time, Flippo, where can the folks find you? Uh, you can find me on the Twitter's uh, Joe Flippo. <laughs> my, my website is josephsanflippo.com. My turn. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, my name, Julia Carely, J-U-L-I-A-C-E-A-R-L-E-Y. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media, Twitter and Instagram, what have you. I do a Wednesday show on uh, uh, Popcorn Talk called Action Movie Anatomy at 2 p.m. It's awesome. We talk action movies. And uh, otherwise, I'll be back at some point for another after show. But this one's over. So it's, over. it's been an That's awesome season. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 